0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue Moore, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hello from the future, Kala. How are you today? Oh, sorry, Kala, you're on mute. Oh, good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. It was so funny (laughs) when we talked earlier and you were saying, how is it in the future? Um, And yeah, for (laughs) for our listeners who aren't aware, we're actually in two different time zones. I'm here in Melbourne. I'm in the future. And uh, Kala, you you said you're in... (laughs) I'm sorry again. I, I forgot the location. Northern exactly. California. Northern California. Yeah. There we go. So you're yeah. still, uh, yeah, you're still yesterday for me. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> was a good day. And, um, you know, the future is, it's actually quite good. It's quite sunny today. So I have to say it's, it's a nice, it's a nice day in the future. So, yeah. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, it's it's such a cool thing to happen, right? Because I think pre pandemic, we don't see a lot of this. But now Mm -hmm. we actually see quite a few podcasts and and people do this. And I think for us, it's such a privilege to be able to connect with you, even though you're pretty much on the other side uh, of the Mm -hmm. planet. You know, it's kind of um, it's beautiful how we just started by saying this is the future. You know what? We're going to talk about it as if we're in the future. Um, Yeah. So. The The podcast that we invited you to join, uh, and thanks again for joining us, is really centered around well-being. You know, we have a lot of topics when we talk about well-being, right? And um, it's such a broad concept nowadays. And, you know, especially um, when it is 2022, we're slowly getting out of the pandemic. It's not over, um, but it, it seems like, you know, well-being is such... A big thing for us. And um, today we're going to talk about uh, your area of expertise, which is actually mm-hmm. something that really is close to my heart. You know, self-awareness to me is something that I've been working on a lot these days, especially, you know, as, as, as a big part of my well-being. And I'm sure listeners feel the same way. So before we go into the podcast, as usual, um, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners, because obviously it is such a beautiful topic. I'm sure you're a beautiful human, so you're here today to talk to us. But who is Kala? You know, who is Kala as a professional? Who is Kala as a human? Um, I'm sure listeners and myself would love to hear more from your perspective. Well, thank you.
1: Um, I'm Carla McLaren, and I am a writer and a publisher and an author. And I focus on emotions and empathy. Those are the most interesting things to me, but also on things that impede emotions and empathy. So I study all sorts of things. And people say, connect that to emotions and empathy. And I'm like, well, here's how I did it. So I have sort of a broad range of things that I like to um, that I like to study. Uh, And I have been really interested in studying people and social structures and animals since I was very young. So it's sort of a, it's like a sort of a piece of my life's work to focus primarily on emotions and empathy. Um, Yeah, but I've studied the workplace, murder, (laughs) autism, uh, cults, um, all sorts of things, like things just they they become really interesting to me and I
0: um, yeah so I'm always learning yeah that is such a wide range of topics and some of them could actually <laughs> be you know quite um, how, how can I say it? sensitive you know some some of the topics oh, yeah. are actually you know like sensitive to people and it's kind of hard to talk about so what got you mm-hmm. interested in these topics in the first place well, I think with emotions and
1: empathy, it started in a difficult way, which was that I was um, abused as a very young child for a number of years. And like a lot of children who were abused, um, I developed a hypersensitivity to people and their behaviors so that I could keep myself safe to the extent that any child can. But because I became so hypersensitive at that time, and I could read and feel emotions very intensely, I didn't know how I turned that on. So I didn't know how to turn it off. And so I ended up being a very intense, hyper aware kid, very angry, trying to, you know, use anger to set boundaries and get people away from me. And my emotions were very powerful. So for me, studying the emotions wasn't, you know, sort of an intellectual exercise of like, that would be interesting, but I need to figure these out or I'm going to go under because it's so intense here in this body and in this world so for me that was the beginning of it is understanding emotions understanding humans understanding human evil um, understanding human nature and so that was sort of taking a, a terrible early life and turning it into <laughs> turning it into research
0: yeah yeah well I'm sorry to hear that you' such a horrible thing happened to you when you were a child but Also, thank you for sharing your story. You know, I think honesty and uh, being brave enough to share such a difficult thing, it's rare and, you know, it's important because, you know, stories shape our lives. And um, Mm -hmm. especially because it's so close to your heart, you know, it helps Mm -hmm. To connect and you know it helps you to actually get interested in these areas and I'm sure it kind of comes from a place um where you know it's it's empathy is not only the tools you use for yourself but also um it has helped a lot of people and today with the podcast hopefully it'll reach even more people over the world you know um and I think um I I think we we should all listen to what you have to say um, with, with that kind of background, because it makes a lot of sense when we take your story into account. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, so um, the topic itself today is um, quite broad, you know, self-awareness. I mean, it is... Mm-hmm. Uh, to to some people it might be really clear you know it might be really obvious but to others may, maybe not and i think for me i've noticed that when i was younger like my younger self in my early 20s for example or even when i was a teenager it wasn't a thing maybe i heard about it but i just didn't really register it as well and you know as as yeah. an adult as, as i keep growing i realize that oh it actually makes so much sense so Let's start with the definition. You know that would help our listeners get into the the mindset of today's discussion. So, to you, you know, based on your research, based on your work, what does self awareness mean?
1: I would say that it is primarily an, an emotional skill because the 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 research on emotions is moving very very quickly. But what we're understanding more and more is that emotions are not separate from logic or whatever they want to separate it from, but that emotions are the basis of how you function as a person. So everything you do, everything you believe, every action, every decision you make is predicated by your emotions. And if you don't know your emotions or what they do or how they work, you will not really understand how you why you do the things you do, you won't really have a handle on yourself. And so for me, understanding the emotions and understanding how my emotions work means that I become aware of myself at a very deep level of sort of the motivation for why I am who I am.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah, for me, it's and and empathy also, empathy with myself and empathy with my own emotions to understand, whoa, I'm feeling really depressed right now. So what is that about? what is, what is that trying to tell me instead of, you know, running, screaming to do something, anything, but feel depressed, right? A lot of people treat their emotions as something to run from, but if they do, they're running from self-awareness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that is so interesting because I think I can totally reflect on, you know, my past behaviors. And I was like, you know what? I was totally running away from myself or like running away from (laughs) what I felt even. And yeah. I mean, maybe self-awareness back then was too hard for me yeah. because, you know, it, I feel like it's a learning curve as well. It's about, uh, it's it's also about accepting who you are as you are. And sometimes mm-hmm. that is so hard, especially when you feel like, oh, like I'm not meeting my own expectations or I'm failing others or, you know, like yeah. I'm doing things that aren't good for me, uh, but I just don't want to acknowledge it. And that comes a lot from self-awareness. So mm-hmm. You know, to me, like when you just share that definition, I was like, yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense." And that's why it was so scary for me personally. So, yeah, I'm sure a lot of yeah. our audience would learn from that today. And uh, that is the pretext to what we're going to discuss about. So, just a little bit of a preview, like a trailer. And um, before we go into that. Discussion in depth. We do have a fun activity to start with, just to get to know color a little bit better, and we like to call it "Have you met Color? So uh, okay. this is this is where you're going to share five things that um, you like, or you know, you have recently been exposed to that you really want to share with our audience. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So number one, we would love to hear about a book that you would recommend.
1: There's a beautiful new book I'm reading called The End of Trauma by George Bonanno. And uh, he shows that basically, you're two times more likely to get through trauma and do well than you are to fall apart. And that is a wonderful message. And he's got the research to back it up.
0: Oh, that is a really interesting one. I would have to put it on my list for sure. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Number 2, how about a movie you would recommend?
1: Raising Arizona, <laughs> which has some of the best lines that ever have been in a movie. It's a very oh. bizarre silly movie. Yeah. Oh, really? It's early okay. Nick Cage. Yeah. yeah. It's early Nicolas Cage before The Money Grab. Uh, but yeah, it's really <laughs> extremely silly movie.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) We do have uh, the love for silly movies and just easy watch sometimes. So I'm going to definitely, you know, (laughs) check it out this weekend. Um, Number three, what about a podcast that you listened to recently? I, except for this one, I do not listen to podcasts.
1: I have a very hard time (laughs) sitting anywhere listening to things. Oh, wow. Uh, Unless I'm in the car. Yeah, It's the only place that I, because otherwise I need to write, I need to be doing something. So Mm. it's very hard for me to just sit and listen to anything. It's weird.
0: That's interesting. And you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, But actually you are in the podcast. You're not listening to the podcast. (laughs) You're actually like actively, you know, sharing insights, talking to me. And that's different. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, How about your famous role model?
1: And I have to say the sociologist Arlie Russell Hochschild, she's like one of my, like, she's like, I'm such a (laughs) fangirl of her. Yeah. She's she's amazing. She's a sociologist of emotion and she's just just a brilliant
0: person. Mm, Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing about her. And what about a course you have completed? That's our final one. The taken or written? <laughs> um, it, it says you have completed. I think it's loosely defined here. Maybe you <laughs> could choose either. <laughs> I just completed
1: or I'm in the, in the final week of teaching a course called Embracing Your Anxiety. And mm. so when I teach a course, I'm taking the course at the same time. So I think yeah. I get two points for that one. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you did. That is so interesting, <laughs> that course, um, because I I think I would love to take that course personally. You know, yeah, um, I really enjoyed yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think
0: we all have anxiety as humans. And um, oh. I've, I've read up so much upon it. And, you know, like do different things around, you know, getting to know anxiety better. And you're deal with it better, but you know the concept of embracing it, I think that's very, very interesting. So that's really cool to know. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, and, and there, uh, we have get, gotten to know you a little bit better, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully our listeners feel a bit closer to you. And um, now we are ready. We have warmed up, so we're ready to talk about the topic of the day, which is self-awareness mm-hmm. in more depth. Uh, we always start before discussing the topic, of course, by taking a look at the bigger picture um, mm-hmm. because we're talking about well-being on the show a lot. Um, so to you then, you know, what would be your personal definition of well-being?
1: I think for me, it would have lots and lots of room for many different levels of emotional kind of reality. I think for me, it would be to be angry when I'm angry and happy when I'm happy and envious when I'm envious and to feel into those and to maintain a life that is, I would say balanced in terms of emotions and intellect and body and vision so that I can, I'm not sort of um, pushing things into the shadow to the extent that anybody can keep things out of the shadow, but to try to become a whole person yeah, um, and to have a,
0: a whole real, often difficult life. Hmm. That is a very different definition from usual, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to well being, a lot of people talk about like uh, how well you are doing. So it's yeah. an absence of ill being, you know, so you're doing well in all different areas of your life. But I feel, I feel like you have a more holistic approach when it comes to well being because it's a state, you know, rather than mm-hmm. um, we, we, when we talk about like how it should be. It's not mm-hmm. something that needs to be uh, positive all the time, I guess. It's more like understanding um, ourselves and taking care of ourselves. So that's a really uh, wholesome definition. And <laughs> with the definition, uh, what would be some of the misconceptions that you see uh, you know, or you have observed when people think about well-being?
1: I think many people see it as a steady state where everything's going well. Your relationships are going well and your job is going well. You've got enough money to manage. And a lot of times those are not true. <laughs> you know, you can't have that throughout your whole life. Yeah. So, yeah. I think people might look at difficulties in their life and think it is a commentary on their own capacity to manage or to create well-being. Um, and I'm saying let's, Let's do well being when we feel crappy, you know, when our job is terrible, when our relationships, are, we just aren't communicating well, and to experience that in its fullness without sort of making ourselves, holding ourselves up to this strange, bloodless, you know, view of how life should be.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. I think, I think from that, what I take is it's more like about how you manage your well-being rather than saying, oh, my well-being should be perfect. Yes. It's it's not, I don't think it's possible or, you know, it's uh, the same for for everybody because, you know, we have things happening in our lives and there's so much to manage as well. So it's more Mm -hmm. about taking care of that part of your life. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that definition and and the misconceptions um, of well-being. And now Mm -hmm. that we have covered the topic you know the definition of self-awareness before um to relate back to this bigger picture what do you say would be the effects that self-awareness would have on your well-being
1: i think without self-awareness your well-being might be based on external things like money i mean everybody needs money this is capitalist world right but um <laughs> But I think if you're not really connected to yourself, your well-being would be probably your fitness, your possessions, the things on the outside that make you look as if you're doing well. Yeah. Um, and I think if you have self-awareness, a lot of those things can fall away, and you're still going to be okay. It's not going to be like hung on those like a like a clothes hanger. Instead, you'll be able to say, "Yeah, things are pretty crappy right now." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am not looking good, yeah. but this is a, you know, this is a growth process. So mm. I, I think yeah. it, I think it does. I think they I think they mesh together quite well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um when it comes to having that self-awareness, you'll be able to to say, "You know what? I'm feeling really anxious, and that's mm. affecting my overall well-being." So now it's it's on me to manage my anxiety. So that I can manage my well-being. So you're right. Like it, They're just really meshed together. They're so closely related. And, and mm-hmm. that is why having that, that self-awareness to take care of yourself mm-hmm. is going to be sort of like the key to, to manage your well-being better. Because, again, mm-hmm. it, well-being is not about like, oh, yeah, you're, you're perfectly well on all aspects, but it's more about like, do you actually know what's going on so you can manage it better? You know, so so I think that's, um, that's kind of how I see it as well. So um, Mm -hmm. that is the correlation or, you know, the relationship that we're talking about today, you know, self-awareness, well-being. But I think from your work, a a lot of um, the the research, I think, uh, from what we know about your work is it also has a lot to do about emotional self-awareness. And, um, you know, because, you know, you, you talked about, about emotions earlier. So what would be the definition and what would be sort of, um, some of the key things around emotional self-awareness that we should know about?
1: Well, I think one of the most exciting things that they're looking at in the research, and this is from Lisa Feldman Barrett and her colleagues, is that emotional vocabulary is massive just developing a better emotional vocabulary will all by itself give you better emotion regulation abilities and it's likely because now you are in a self-awareness process right so instead of just like i feel bad and what does that even mean you can't do anything about it except say i just want to feel good but you have no information (laughs) so instead of saying i feel sad and i know that sadness means i need to let something go so I know what I can do or I feel a soft kind of peevish anger, right? The more articulate you are with your emotional vocabulary, the more self-aware you become, but also the more you're able to actually do something about it because you know, which emotion you're feeling instead of this kind of amorphous badness. And so learning to work with your emotions saying, I feel, you know, this level of sarcastic and I know that that means I'm angry. Mm. but I'm not able to really speak it openly. So what are my next steps to make sure that my relationships are actually functional or that I'm saying what I need to say? Um, Yeah. So I think emotional awareness is like crucial, especially within relationships that I know how I'm feeling when you say something to me or treat me a certain way. I know that, how things are going between us, because I can say, I feel kind of, you know, I feel kind of depressed in this relationship. Mm. I feel a bit down. I feel a bit dejected in this relationship and then begin to understand how this relationship is, you know, how how you're responding to it, how it's affecting you.
0: Yeah. That is so important actually, because when I think about having the vocabulary that's one thing. But another thing that you touched on earlier is that we are social beings. So we are, you know, constantly <laughs> interacting with others. But sometimes when we don't actually know what's going on, if we cannot put our fingers around what exactly it is that we're feeling, we tend to lash out at others or we tend to stonewall people, I think, um, <laughs> you know, at least from my personal experience, noticing uh, different behaviors from people and you're just watching a lot of. Um, you know, talks and re- uh, you're reading research upon this. I think it starts from within us. You know, we if we don't if we don't have that capability or capacity to really sit with ourselves and define what it is that we're feeling, and it's going to be mm-hmm. really hard for us to then go about interacting with others. Um, mm-hmm. And I think actually one of the things that I, I'm curious about when it comes to this is you know, emotional awareness, yes, it helps when we interact with others, but what about when we're alone? Because, you know, I I think for, let's just say for for a lot of us, um, especially throughout the pandemic, we've spent a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. For, for a lot of people, obviously, if you're living with your family, you're still like, you know, having interactions every day. For me personally, for example, I'm amongst those people that lived by myself. And what I've realized <laughs> is that there are certain points when I, I was by myself and I couldn't really put my fingers around why I was behaving a certain way. And now that I look back on it, it was because of how I was feeling. I didn't have that mm-hmm. emotional self-awareness and I just sort of let myself go and I just you know went with the flow or didn't really take care of myself. So mm-hmm. do you think there would be any kind of tips or any anything that we can do in our power to help us identify those emotions as they arise and also sort of be, be with ourselves in peace? I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but I just find it sometimes really hard to sit by yourself, do your thing, or even just to move forward and, and do the simplest thing because I couldn't you know, pinpoint what it was that I was feeling.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important when, when you're alone to have a, a strong emotional vocabulary and to really know what you're feeling because what I find is that each of the emotions has really powerful messages for you and they are not the opposite of intelligence they are a fundamental aspect of intelligence so each emotion is trying to help you and trying to get your attention and trying to bring specific gifts and skills to you and if you don't know that you can miss it you can just miss it so for instance um depression which is an emotion this is situational depression, not the more serious forms of depression like bipolar or, or major depression. But situational depression relates to a situation. And many people who were alone during the pandemic found themselves feeling depressed. And depression takes away your energy when something's wrong. And things were wrong during the pandemic, okay? Things were yeah. wrong. If you don't know that and you can't sort of speak to your depression and say, okay, what's wrong and, you know, why is my energy being pulled away and what can I do to get myself into a better situation if it's at all possible, you know, to work as a partner with my depression. If I can't do that, probably more and more and more and more and more of my energy is going to drain away. Depression is going to do its work, but without my partnership, without my awareness, And so I'll just sort of be at the end, you know, the end of a five-week period going, I can't even get up today. I cannot get Mm. up, and I don't know why. Mm. So that self-awareness piece, especially when you're alone, sometimes I find that it is times when I'm alone that I can be most connected to my emotions because there's nobody distracting me. Mm. Right. You know, That's when you're in a relationship, you're very much with the other person and you're responding to what's going on with them. And so you can kind of ignore what's going on inside yourself. Um, so, yeah, there are periods where I just need to be alone. So I can figure out what the heck I'm
0: feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so true. That is so true. So I think you you, you touched on depression a little bit, and I think, you know, it mm-hmm. it is a, it was a real thing. Um, During the Mm -hmm. pandemic and even now, like even though we're slowly getting out of the pandemic, it's not like it's going anywhere. It's kind of like the epidemic of the 21st century, I think. It's something that has been affecting quite a few people. And actually, I've noticed that the situational depression, I'm not going to say I never had it. I was one of those people that I've definitely went through that. And I think it was actually quite hard to pinpoint what it was Or, you know, how to even name it and the the emotions that were associated with it. Because it was not just Mm -hmm. one word, I think. It was not just like, oh, I'm feeling depressed. It's much more than that. You know, like, um, I'm feeling uneasy or, you know, like, I'm feeling like, uh, maybe it's languishing that I'm feeling. Lots of other things that could be happening. and. For us, you know, for, for ordinary, everyday people, you know, someone who didn't really like, you know, know uh, much about psychology, emotions, or, or do research in these areas, it, it could be hard um, mm-hmm. to really even just say it to, to themselves, to ourselves. And I think yeah. one of the interesting thing um, that emerged out of all of this is that emo- emotional fluency apparently is a thing. And, yeah. you know, we, we just touched on, you know, emotional self-awareness and self-awareness in general and being able to sit with yourself. So how would all of that affect your emotional fluency? What is it really? And, you know, how can everyday people curate it if there's a way? The vocabulary
1: is magical. Vocabulary is absolutely magical. And what, what it's called in, in the research I've looked at is emotional granularity. And so it is to be able to say, here's anger as a category. Now, am I feeling rage? Am I feeling, you know, peevishness? Am I feeling, you know, what what level of anger am I feeling? To get really very, very granular and mm-hmm. come all the way down to where you are. And for me also to work with, okay, I'm feeling a little bit of sadness, a little bit of anger. Okay, some there's some depression too okay there's some grief <laughs> you know what I mean it's like and knowing that each of these emotions has skills to bring to me my granularity gives me even more access to what the emotions are trying to do mm. and gives me more access to my basic skills you know emotions are our skills from before we were before we were humans we we Emotions were how we understood the world, and they still are. They were how we communicated, and they still are. And so they have sort of a pr- a primordial wisdom that that they've carried um, through what through the eons. And so connecting into emotions, it's just so nice to know that all you got to do <laughs> is develop a more granular emotional vocabulary, and then suddenly. You're welcomed into this world uh, that has been sort of moving underneath you your whole life long. Yeah. But if all we have is I feel bad, I feel good, we just don't have the tools and awareness we need to yeah. be able to access them. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah. That that is a really good point. And you know, to that point, you said that we we sort of need to understand our emotions and be re- really granular when it comes to how we feel to be able to. I can say manage our well-being maybe because you know mm-hmm. as you said earlier um, when it comes to the definition of well-being is like holistically who you are you know how you are and it's interesting because I don't think we actually look at it that way though at the moment as far as I can yeah. notice yeah. you said it's so important right but I don't think a majority of us as humans actually look at emotions as um, and, and self-awareness most emotional self-awareness as as a way to manage our well-being, it's more in the sense that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like if uh, if things go sideways or if something goes bad, I'll deal with it. I'll manage my well-being. Um, and sometimes it could also yeah. be like, uh, oh, you know, to manage your well-being, you know, just eat well, sleep well, and you know, like everything will be peachy. But it's not. And I think um, uh, <laughs> I think it's it's very interesting to to actually talk about this. A, in a bit more detail, because it's probably hard for people to actually connect the dots. So, to you, then, how do we, how do we say, okay, this is emotional self awareness. This is your well being. Mm-hmm. You're actually using the tools here to manage your well being. But um, in 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 a more, I would say, like friendly everyday language, how does that actually apply? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for
1: me, and I've been doing this for decades it's really keeping a continual awareness of how I'm feeling about things in order to listen to me, my own individual unique self and how I'm responding to the world. Even in a family that's very close knit, you think about something that happened and everyone will have a very different reaction to it. Right. And if there's some bullying going on, then one of the people will say, no, this is how we felt (laughs) as a family. (laughs) Right. And I was like, nah, that's not how that happened. But But to know that understanding my uniqueness means that I'm going to be walking on the path that I'm meant to walk on in this world rather than, you know, I think a lot of, I don't know if you're on Instagram, but if you go to the hashtag well-being, Hmm. a lot of yoga happening. You know, there's
0: a lot of Uh, buying
1: buying yoga clothes or buying well-being. Like I had a well-being massage. Um, It's about this exterior kind of i don't want to say plastic but i sort of want to say plastic yeah um it's it's what you buy Mm -hmm. it's what is in fashion it is the hashtag um right rather than do i even want a massage yeah (laughs) like why do i need special clothes to do yoga yeah uh you know, did people in India, you know, hundreds of years ago, doing yoga, yeah. did do they have these mats? I don't think yeah. they did. <laughs> yeah,
0: but <laughs> that's such a good point.
1: <laughs> yeah, so much about well-being right now is commercialized.
0: Yeah, and I agree.
1: That's sort of the opposite of well-being. That's kind of you're being pushed into a direction of of more and more buying, and more and more. Like, this should make me feel good. Instead of asking yourself, what do I want to do today? And if the answer is, lay around, play with puppies, that should be your well-being practice for that day. <laughs> or yeah. yeah, watch a whole bunch of Netflix and, <laughs> right? and, um, and make my own lemonade. Um, yeah. But just feeling how you feel and doing what you want and, and having your life be a, a continual exploration. Rather than a a way to make marks on the
0: hashtag of mm. whatever well being is trying to be yeah 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 that is that is so interesting actually because you know what I I've been actually f- uh, doing the science of well being course by Yale uh, you know the the free mm-hmm. course on Coursera and I have to say like the the learning there, like I'm, I'm st- just at the very beginning of the journey. But it, they did talk a lot about that, like you know, the the Instagram, the you know, the external. Uh, when when you think yeah. that, oh yeah, like this will bring me like so much joy and happiness, and it will curate my help me with my well being. It's not just what society <laughs> is telling you to do, but you know, yeah. from from what we are talking about today, it's actually more about recognizing what's going on inside here. What do yeah. you, you know, what do you want to do? to sort of deal with this. It's not, yes. you know, like you said, it's not buying new yoga clothes because, you know, you can buy new yoga clothes, but are you going to do yoga? Like that's a whole different story, right? Um, <laughs> but I have the clothes and that's the yeah. important thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have, I have the right clothes. So I'm not going to do yoga. I, you know? I could. I, <laughs> yeah. I could do yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so I think that is very different from what we see every single day. And sometimes it's it's just it takes away the the beauty of connecting to yourself and just doing the, the most, the simplest things. Like you said, you know, sometimes you just want to laze around and that's okay. But then you, mm-hmm. the first step is actually recognizing that you want that in the first place. Because for example, yes. oh, you know, I'm feeling emotionally unwell in the sense that I'm feeling a bit sad, a bit depressed. Maybe all I want to do today is just curl up in a ball and, you know, like, I don't know, comfort myself. And that's okay, mm-hmm. because you actually that came from the emotional self-awareness, and you allow yourself to do that rather than letting other people tell you, "Hey, buy this," and then buy that, and then you feel better." and then you know you end up being broke and not even feeling any better. <laughs> so I think uh, that, that, that is very important to us in, in our overall. Um, well-being because one thing uh, one good thing leads to another good thing and then vice versa you know one bad decision could lead to a whole heap of other bad decisions as well um yeah and actually that gives me the sort of pretext to to mention self-regulation here because it's so important Mm -hmm. in our everyday life it's so important uh, especially when it comes to our well-being and Mm -hmm. i'm kind of making the connection there but what would be your thoughts on this topic? What would be the, you know, the effect, the, maybe the positive effect or, uh, the relationship between emotional self-awareness and self-regulation. How can we make that happen for ourselves?
1: Yes. I mean, there's a direct correlation between a granular emotional vocabulary and your self self-regu- emotional self-regulation abilities. Uh, it's like a two for one It's free. Um, <laughs> that, and I have on my website, I have a free emotional vocabulary list <laughs> because it's <laughs> yeah. so important. I'm like, everybody download this. And we've got it in six languages at this point. But, but you can't regulate what you don't know, right? You, if you have no idea how you're feeling or what's going on or why you feel that way, the only regulation you're going to do is probably repression, right? And uh, sometimes repression is okay. But if that's your basic regulation, then each time you do that, you are reducing your self-awareness, right? And then what is your well-being going to be if you don't even know who and what you are? Mm. Um, your well-being may be whatever they're selling this week for the well-being hashtag. Um, you'll be like, oh, that, that's going to make me feel better. That's going to help stop me from feeling bad from feeling bad um, i'm going to feel good now and we don't even know what good means and what bad means like you were saying before i feel sad and i feel a little bit of depression i want to just lay down and take care of myself which would be a perfect self regulation mm. right you yeah. were going toward the emotion that was there instead of saying what i want to do is go on a merry-go-round and jack myself
0: up with loud music right <laughs> like, no yeah it's called for at this point yeah 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 what about um I-, I think this discussion happened amongst our teams and you know people that i've talked to quite a bit what about you know the self-awareness and self-regulation in the context of um let's say overeating or stress eating or you know like uh binge Mm -hmm. drinking you know the the things that we know that that would affect our state of well-being you know Mm -hmm. negatively but we go for it anyway because it's like a coping mechanism you know and yeah i I agree that it's it's good to you know for example let ourselves just do nothing maybe watch netflix but the self-regulation here would be very important when we don't go to extremes as well what do you reckon Mm
1: -hmm. yeah There's um, an absolutely wonderful uh, person working in addiction care named Lance Dotis. He's a doctor from Harvard. And he's pointed out that our movement toward addictive or distracting practices is a healthy movement away from a sense of powerlessness or helplessness where we're feeling just like crappy. We don't have better words for it than that. We're just whatever. And this movement toward drinking or delicious food that we eat too much of, or refusing to exercise because we don't have the right yoga clothes—this <laughs> 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 movement is healthy. This movement away from emotion, you know, emotional overwhelm or emotional pain is healthy. It's just that what we move to has no healing properties. Right. So alcohol is not going to change why we're sad or why Mm. we're feeling depressed or why we're so angry at our parents or whatever. Alcohol will just take us out of commission for a minute and then we come back. All of those emotions are still there. The whole, you know, use, useless relationship with our parents is still there unchanged. And now we have a hangover. Mm. So going toward those things is a healthy movement, but the things themselves won't do anything at all and that's I think or what he says that's how addictions get started because now you go back the sadness and depression and trouble are still there, but now they're worse and you're like, I need to drink again or I need to eat a lot more ice cream or yeah. you know some other comfort food and so what I really love about his work and the work is in um, the heart of addiction and breaking addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, is to look at what your emotional overwhelm is, focus on that, and let drinking be its own thing. Let eating be its own thing. Separate them out and start looking at what is going on that is driving you there. Yeah. Um, I think it's been just such a, a wonderful... I just threw myself into his work but because I've seen so many addiction um, healing approaches are very very shaming there and if you're gonna be like I'm dealing with all this sadness and you know depression and my parents I go to drink that didn't work but I need to drink again and the people on the outside shaming you mm-hmm. now you've got hangovers some liver problems <laughs> depression shame trouble with your parents um, more shame now sad do you know what I mean it just yeah. it doesn't help It doesn't help to shame people. It actually makes it more likely that they will have to go to that um, displacement, that addictive behavior. Yeah. Because now you've just loaded them up with more emotions that they don't know how to work with.
0: Yeah. That is so interesting how, you know, if we don't have the vocabulary for ourselves in the first place, that actually might affect others, you know, in in, in ways that we didn't foresee, you know, negatively nonetheless. Yeah. that could actually be detrimental to, you know, people around you and maybe even yourself without you realizing. And I think, uh, you know, realizing that, yep, I'm feeling a certain way and this is my coping mechanism is, uh, it's, it's kind of a good thing to start with. But like you said, it's also important to recognize that There's a root cause for the feeling that you're feeling, and you know you got to work on solving the problem there. You know that's the Mm -hmm. root cause. Okay, how do we deal with that? Instead of saying, you know what, I'm just gonna run away from the problem, run away from how I'm feeling, (laughs) and I'm just gonna have some more ice cream because that's really delicious. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know it it's it's not easy. I have to say, and you know perhaps Mm -hmm. we'll touch on some good practice a bit later. Um, But I know that you also work with, um, you know, the workplace quite a bit mm-hmm. in your research and in your work. And obviously, we're talking mm-hmm. about self-awareness. Uh, one of the things that is really important in the workplace, you know, given all the things that we're talking about here is that we understand we are humans. We're not just yes. workers. You know, we're all humans yes. going to work and we're all, go- we're all humans collaborating to deliver something together. And that requires empathy. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the time it could just be, oh, it's it's all business here. You know, we yeah. need to get this done. You know, you cannot let your emotions affect you. And I feel like that's a bit toxic, especially yeah. given, you know, the the years that we've gone through now. We've, we've seen that, you know, everyone's pretty much working from home. Home is where work is. Work is where your home is. And it's not just work. You know, you are still, you know, while you are a worker, you could still be a mother, a daughter a father, mm-hmm. you know, it could be anything. And it's so important in the workplace well-being as well, because, you know, we're not, we're not just talking about um, individual well-being now. Uh, we we yes. can take it a step further because so much of your life is at work. So mm-hmm. from, your, from your research, from your work, um, how do you see um, curating empathy and, you know, developing self-awareness help in the workplace?
1: You're right. The, in the workplace, you're not just dealing with your own individual Uh, self you're dealing with a social group you're dealing with a social structure and everyone brings their emotional their level of emotional awareness to that and it's not very high we don't tend to have very good emotional um training we don't have very good emotional education considering that most of us need to go get a list on my site (laughs) to find (laughs) you know vocabulary words that it's it's that it's that rare Um, yeah but what I do when I go into workplaces is I listen very carefully to what emotions are, are happening there. Uh, what emotions are at the forefront? Is it anxiety? Is it anger? Is it jealousy or envy? Is it um, depression? Uh, are people in burnout? Right. That's a pretty dangerous place for people to be. Um, and I don't know if it happened where you are, but here in the United States, there was something called the great resignation. Yeah, same uh, here. Okay, you had it. Where yeah. just hundreds of thousands of people a month were just saying bye to the workplace, bye-bye. Yeah. Um, trying to get better jobs, getting themselves in a better place. But what we saw is that the workplace was not built for human beings. It was built for the workplace, right? It was built for <laughs> getting the job done, but not for yeah. taking care of people. So yeah. the workplace in and of itself is pretty um, – Inhumane, not like anybody means to be cruel. You know, there are some places where it's actually cruel, um, you know, like prison labor and that sort of thing. But um, because emotions got thrown out of the workplace, we've basically taken people's capacity for self awareness and other awareness within a social group, we've thrown it out. And so people are just sort of thrown to the wolves in a way. Yeah. Um, although wolves aren't mean thrown to the piranhas, there we go, mm. um, of um uh anything could happen in the workplace. And if we yeah. don't have a social structure that's healthy, and if we don't have social agreements, if people don't have emotional skills, if people don't even know what emotions are, then we are gonna have an unself aware group. And so the emotions never stop no matter how much you try to repress them they're still there because they're a function of your intelligence and your co- cognition um so i listen to which emotions are there and it tells me basically if i know like give me five emotions that you see a lot i i basically can diagnose the entire social structure at this point <laughs> i'm like boom 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 i pretend that it takes longer <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want it to look like like there's any something that you know they missed or something. But yeah. if you can see what emotions are happening, you can tell what's happening in the structure. If you see a lot of anger, you know there's boundary breaking happening all the time because emotions are about. I mean, anger is about boundaries. If there's a lot of anxiety, probably people's workloads are not being managed appropriately. Mm. Um, there's a lot of jealousy and envy. There is inequality and injustice baked into the system. Mm-hmm. So, people are responding to the social structure, and if they don't know why again, it's just like if you don't know why you're feeling the way you do, you're kind of clueless about what to do next, yeah, and the same thing happens if a, if an entire social structure is not emotionally awake, it sort of doesn't know what
0: it's doing. Mm. yeah, that is so true. it gets such a such a big thing nowadays, and it's not easy to recognize but you're so right in saying that if you can identify the emotions in the workplace you can see what's going on straight away and a lot of self-awareness plays into that because perhaps the person that um is in charge or you know if uh, if the leader it's not aware of how they're feeling in the first place or what they want that could cause mm-hmm. a lot of distress amongst uh you know other people but then the distress wouldn't be registered at you know something that's going on because maybe um that person's vocabulary when it comes to you know self-awareness and emotional self-awareness is already limited so it's just so mm-hmm. important that everyone curates this and i think from what you said mm-hmm. it's even more important to you know for for anyone who's listening that's uh you know like a c-level executive or you know like a Mm -hmm. manager or a team leader it's even more important for these people to curate that level of self-awareness and empathy because it all starts from there you know we have Mm -hmm. interaction we have collaboration but a lot of the communication still comes top down so It's Mm -hmm. very crucial that everyone registers this. And I really hope that this message gets to um, as many people as possible, especially those in leadership positions, because they really affect how their teams and their people interact and work and how they feel at work even. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's uh, that's emotional self-awareness, self-awareness, and also empathy in the workplace. We, we see that it's very important. We also talked about how important it, it is, you know, you, you touched on it, you know, when you have interaction with yourself, when you have interaction with your friends and family, um, it is crucial in our everyday life. And, you know, when you're well, you know, when you can manage your well-being, then you are a better person for any social groups that you belong to, whether it be family mm-hmm. or work. So that leads me to the next section of the podcast, which is the practice section. We talk about the theory, now we have the practice. So mm-hmm. we, know, we know the definitions, we know all about self-awareness, emotional self-awareness, emotional fluency, and like you said, even emotional granularity. So there's, there are quite a few mm-hmm. concepts there. But uh, to kind of tie it all in together, let's be practical if we were mm-hmm. to, you know, actually uh, take it into practice now, what would you say to be a practice um, that you could recommend to anyone when it comes to emotional self-awareness or just self-awareness in general?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say, again, emotional granularity it is so crucial. And one of the things they're finding about emotional granularity is not just, it doesn't just give you better emotional regulation skills and self-awareness skills, It can actually have heart and brain protective um, effects as well. So it's kind of magical. In a a workplace, it would be allowing or giving everybody an emotional vocabulary list and everybody an understanding of what the emotions do so they can begin to have intelligent conversations about what they're sensing as individuals and, uh, and to say, are you feeling this too? I'm feeling like a little bit envious about this or this, you know, or I'm feeling some anger here. Are you feeling it too? And then they can begin to understand, oh, there's something in the structure. If more than one of us is feeling the exact same way, which is very unusual, um, then I think there's something going on in the structure. Yeah. And then you can have this, this awareness, but the practice would be to put your vocabulary into practice with your own self And then in a workplace, I try to get everyone sharing the same skills so that now emotions aren't this secret, weird, non-understood, repressed, you know, this doesn't belong at work kind of nonsense. But now we bring emotions into the center of the workplace. And a lot of, you know, CEOs would say, no, (laughs) no, you cannot have emotions in the workplace. I said, well, do you have humans in the workplace? Then yes. you've got emotions okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and emotions empathy is the foundation of of um, the foundation of empathy is emotional empathy is your emotional awareness so if you don't know what emotions are, your empathy is not going to be that malleable or strong or or um, whole bodied you'll just have empathy for the like i don't know four emotions that you understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if somebody's really angry and you don't have a practice for anger you're not going to have empathy for that person
0: yeah Mm. yeah yeah so would you say that if we were to make it a practice for ourselves let's just say individuals practicing Mm -hmm. um improving our vocabulary on emotions and Mm -hmm. practicing sharing about our emotions more openly using the emotional granularity where we can Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. would be a way for us to sort of, you know, just curate that Mm self-awareness and also empathy, not just towards Mm -hmm. ourselves, but towards others.
1: Yeah. I think another practice that I, I would focus on in the workplace, because if people are back at work, if they're not at home, as we know our surroundings really affect us they affect us powerfully and a lot of people in at least here in the great resignation simply did not want to go back into the office they did not want to go back into the store that was nope i do not want to be there um and so to begin looking at the workplace in terms of could a human exist here comfortably and the answer with most workplaces is no Mm -mm. no There's no quiet. There's no privacy. There's no break area that's truly away from the work. There's no place to get away safely or, you know, so because people are going to be like, where is she going? You know, she taking another break, you know, like, is it, is it emotionally and socially and physically comfortable to be in your workplace? If it isn't, there will be emotional problems there Mm -hmm. because you're putting humans in a bad environment. You're putting them, if, if you were a zookeeper and they were tigers, the tigers would just be so depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just like, they wouldn't have anything to climb on. Yeah. They wouldn't even be able to be tigers. They would just mm. mostly be angry and slapping you all the time. Um, mm. Yeah. So, so I think that's another huge practice is to, you know, bring a child in, bring up, six to ten-year-old child and ask the child, is this, an, is this a comfortable place to be? <laughs> Children will tell you, no, this is awful. There's, yeah. there's nothing fluffy here. There's no place to play. You can't be on the floor. Um, yeah, that's a huge practice in the workplace is that they are not built for human beings.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And just the physical plan, the physical layout of most, most workplaces makes
0: people miserable hmm that is so interesting because you know maybe we were just so used to it that we never questioned it but after you know two years of covid everyone has actually noticed yeah (laughs) now now everyone's noticed everyone knows that you know it it is not meant to be that way and uh yeah yeah it affects us quite a bit especially the well-being in the workplace and it all starts from self-awareness actually because you know we we know that oh now that I've got to work from home, I know that, yep, this is my work corner. Yeah. When I feel overwhelmed or when I feel like I need a break from my screens, I have a, a Zen corner or maybe I can just actually go out for a short walk. Yeah. In the workplace, it's actually quite hard. But then if we have that you know, level of self-awareness, we would then be able to translate it into empathy as well because we know, mm. oh, my colleague needs a minute or they need 10. Yeah, And yeah. I'm not going to even ask what they need to do. I'm not going to even ask why they're out because, you know, we just need it. And when you're working from home, no one's asking you. So I think just, you know, just the practice, the very practice of curating that level of self-awareness, identifying how you're feeling, how you're, um, how you deal with your certain emotions would then be able to allow you to broaden your mind, you know, in the first place to understand, yep, other people have other ways of dealing with their particular emotions when they arise. So, you know, we, we all come from a place of empathy and we respect how people behave as much as we would want to be respected for how we behave when it comes to our certain emotions as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. Mm, so I think, you know, like it's actually hard as we have discussed quite a bit because, you know, like the, the, the vocabulary, like um, being able to, to say uh, honest things when it comes to our emotion is probably not easy you know from your research and from your work what do you notice to be some of the challenges when people practice this
1: a lot of it is that i talked to an actor who said if an actor went like this gur i'm mad or oh i'm sad you would know that they're a terrible terrible actor right they're a hack because the way that humans have learned to present their emotions is usually with subterfuge or just right out lying. What do you mean angry? I'm not angry. Your mother's angry, right? I'm not sad. I'm not sad. Why would you think I'm sad? Like we, we spend most of our time pretending that we're not feeling what we're feeling. And so that is a huge stumbling block because for many people, they feel emotions about emotions. They feel ashamed of feeling shame. They feel angry about being angry. They feel afraid of being afraid. And so, yeah. wow. just a normal human emotion comes out, and all of a sudden, there's an emotion pile up. And mm-hmm. so, that's one of the things that's pretty brave to start to open up and to be able to say out loud, I'm afraid about what we're trying to do in the Cincinnati job. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about that. And usually, in most workplaces, you would not even be able to begin that sentence before they hushed you. They just shush, shush. We need positive energy in this. You know, you need to go lay down, take a nap, pal. Um, mm-hmm. That that it's a tremendously brave thing in a in a in a social structure where we've learned to lie about emotions to ourselves and others because we want to save face, right? For instance, there's many cases where you need to cry, but you know you will lose your social standing if you yeah. do
0: yeah
1: um, right you, you mm. just need to push you need to push those tears right back into your tear ducts and yeah. you know soldier yeah. on mm. there's all kinds of emotions like that especially for we we have lots of gender splits and emotions women are not allowed to be angry out loud you know or they get a name that rhymes with witch um Men are not allowed to express grief or sadness, or they get a name that rhymes with wussy. And, (laughs) um, right? So we're actually separated out from our emotions. And um, so it's, 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 there's a tremendous bravery there, but Mm. it's really a job that's worth doing because we become, Self aware and other
0: aware and more functional in our lives mm. that is beautiful, yeah, because so those are like the three benefits that you see right there, right? like just
1: yeah. yourself
0: for others, and you know it's it's a functional life that's that's how life's supposed to be about. You know you touched on a very important interesting point earlier when you said you know suppressing our emotion. In the workplace, because we feel bad about feeling bad, and so on. Yeah, uh, I I remember, and this is this is going to be really hard to talk about. but I remember being overwhelmed uh, a long time ago at, at a you know at a, at a previous job, uh, one of my like earliest job ever, um, and f- feeling overwhelmed because of the workload, and feeling overwhelmed because life was hard. You know, so it's not all about work, but it was about like other stuff um, as well. And I think I was at the office and again, an office that was not meant to be an office because it was not like the most (laughs) comfortable place Um, and feeling overwhelmed. I just kind of broke down crying and, (laughs) um, you know, my colleagues were really nice. You know, they were so sweet and they came to comfort me, you know, not even they didn't even ask what happened because obviously it was I was overcome with emotions Mm -hmm. I knew that I was overwhelmed. I knew that I was sad. I knew that I was really anxious about a lot of things. Um, They didn't even ask for that. But then later down the track, I actually got a comment that was like, you should have been more professional. (gasps) But, you know, I, from, from what you share with me, this is just my interpretation. So from what you've shared with me, maybe a lot of people are on the same boat as I was. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think it's such an important thing to share because, you know, like when you have that emotional awareness, you know that you're a human and you know that you are doing your job, but at the same time, you're allowed to feel things because you're humans. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, from from this practice, it's so important that everyone acknowledges that, you know, we're not machines. And, you know, when someone feels the same way or when someone uh, behaves uh, in, in ways that would be uh, you know it would if it, it seems emotional it's not like it's um unacceptable i would say like you know from from mm-hmm. that because if we have the level of self awareness we would know that we would be on the same boat had we been in the same mm-hmm. situation or maybe you're just suppressing emotions and like you said earlier if we have self awareness and when we have self awareness we know that suppressing is not a good thing right mhm mhm yeah And
1: one thing I was thinking about that is that in an emotionally well regulated workplace where people had skills, people would say, Okay, Lou is overwhelmed and we need to check in right away to look at her workload. Um, Maybe it's from home, maybe it's, you know, the way she manages herself, but it could also be the workload or all three. Yeah. Rather than saying, You, your tears belong to you and they don't belong in the office and they have nothing to say to any of us because they're just a sign of your problems, right? Which Mm -hmm. is exactly wrong. Yeah. You know, that sadness, that grief, that anxiety was trying to come out and be witnessed in that social structure that called them forward, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) like because you weren't crying at home alone you were at work and so that would be so important you know for me as a consultant coming in I would be Mm. like okay there she is there she is she's telling us the truth about what's going on here Mm. and the rest of you who are saying to her to be professional you're making it worse yeah yeah (laughs) they actually have a name for that in the workplace it's called toxic positivity bias
0: oh I've heard that yeah
1: yeah. yeah and that, that's i just love that it's so perfect because that positivity is toxic it is Yeah. It's a lie that's not what was going on you yeah. weren't feeling happy and content and joyful you were feeling yeah. what you were feeling it was yeah.
0: important yeah i think yeah. you you're right like, and i feel like when we look at this it translates to all other circumstances in life as well because a lot of times um, even another example could be you know a kid crying Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: parents would be like stop crying what are you what do you have to cry about it's nothing yeah maybe maybe it's not nothing and you're denying them the right to feel their emotions and that's yes um yeah that's probably super detrimental to their growth because you know I, i think yeah yeah when when you shared um about uh toxic positivity bias, and also like the workplace and all the other situations that I could think of ever. It's just so important that we curate that level of empathy based on the self-awareness we have, based on the you know, emotional granularity that we can feel and we can share with others. Because once we have that, we know that we're complex creatures. And mm-hmm. it's, it's unfair to ask anyone to suppress it because we're talking about, you know, how to bring it out. We're not talking yeah. about suppressing it. And, you know, that's like the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do here. Um, yeah, yeah. And it starts from home, you know, it starts from who you, from within yourself, um, you know, from raising children and, you know, in the mm-hmm. workplace, definitely, because you spend so much of your time at work. It's so important to be able to be yourself and to be able to, you know, manage your well-being there because it affects other areas of your life, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just got
1: um, a note from a, a mom who had just downloaded a children's version of the um, emotional vocabulary list. And she said her son just fell into a snit. He was about seven or eight. Just, just he fell apart. He was melting down. And she didn't know what had happened. And he didn't, couldn't tell her. So she said, well, will you look at this list and tell me if you see what you're feeling on here, right? I don't yeah. know how the child was able to read at that point, but the the child took the list and found a word. It's like this is what I'm feeling, mm. and so the mom said, "Yeah," and the child stops crying and goes, "Can we go on a bike ride?" <laughs> it was like all that needed to happen was to find yeah. the feeling and yeah. have the mom go, "Yeah," instead of. You know, shaming the child. Well, you shouldn't be crying. You are seven years old. You're not a baby anymore. You know that kind of <clears throat> kind of emotional abuse that a lot of us experienced as children. Um, yeah. That that just knowing the word was like, can we go on a bike ride? It was. I love that story mm. and the magic. There's, it's magical to be yeah. able to know Absolutely. what you're feeling and to have other people say. You know, if somebody in that room could have said, "You know, Lou, this is a lot of sadness and grief and anxiety, and we know mm. what those mean. It means yeah. you need to let stuff go. It means something has died. It means there's too much on your plate. You know, how can we help?" Instead of just sort of, "Oh, they're there now, now." Yeah, exactly. And they, they just wait like, I don't know, a day or two and then go, you should have been more professional. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I can laugh about it now. It was pretty horrible yeah. back then, but it's just a good yeah. lesson to me, you know, in the context of today's conversation, because I've realized that we can all curate our vocabulary and we can all mm-hmm. start there to curate our empathy you know, wherever you are, you know, whichever context we're talking about here, because you just mentioned a child, right? That starts yeah. from home, parenting, yeah. you know, being with being with your family, being with a child. And it's so important because a lot of childhood trauma could start that way. And, you know, yeah. being able to do this, we're gonna help to raise happy, healthy adults who have, mm-hmm. you know, healthy coping mechanism, who could manage their well being, and then who could be yeah. better adults at the workplace as well, because you know it it starts from the smallest of things, like you said, like, this is such a good practice. Um, and even though it's hard, it's, it sounds like it should happen for everyone, you know. And yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if you have like a, like a set time that you, you would recommend doing it. But I would reckon it's probably just how you go about your day and you just do it. Or do you yeah. actually set time?
1: Well, I did early on because I had to figure out all these emotions. There was a lot yep. going on. Yeah. But now that I've, you know, sort of identified them and started working with them, now I can just pretty much go, huh, that's some depression. Oh, here's some anxiety. And, and know what's going on. Yeah.
0: Okay. And, yeah. um
1: But sometimes I do, like, I'll have, like, a whole bunch of emotions at once and I'll have to go and, like, look at my, what am I feeling? Okay, here mm. I am
0: yeah I'm
1: yeah Yeah. I'm low I'm wistful I'm you know I'm resentful you know that sort of thing it's really fun to be able to sort of locate myself okay
0: yeah and so you know for someone that if if someone just uh realized after this uh podcast let's just say imagine if there's a listener who just realized oh you know what I should do this now I should curate my vocabulary and I should pinpoint my uh emotional granularity, then mm-hmm. when do you say would be the best time to do this? And how should they go about it if they're so new to this?
1: You know, I made a, another free thing. It was a free emotion chart for kids. And yeah. it was sort of like I gave them three or four simple vocabulary words, and it would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? And they could write down, I felt angry on Monday. I felt sad on Monday, right? Right. And to do that. And then adults asked me to make one for them. Mm. I was like, really? Does anybody need this? And so I made another free one, (laughs) which is an emotion chart for adults. So that you can actually write down what you're feeling. And then the second page talks about what the emotions do or why they come forward. Like anger for boundaries and sadness for letting things go and anxiety for helping you uh, do your work. Um, Panic if you're in danger, things like that. So that people will like be able to go X, X, and then track their emotions. This would be a great app. Yeah. But app development is serious. Like yep. you can't just. It is. Yeah. You can't just breeze into app development, <laughs> but <laughs> that way you could track your emotions over, you know,
0: and Yeah. what was happening in April that there was yeah. so much anger going on. Yeah. Oh, that's such but a yeah. good idea. Yeah. 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 A daily, yeah. a daily tracking would be really good. And, you know, Carla, maybe this is your next idea, you know. This the next thing next you're going to be on. Yeah, your next app. It just yes, did. I only need a couple of hundred thousand dollars, but that's yes, fine. did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This is a good pitch for the investors, this whole podcast. You yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah. that is a really, um, I think that was a really enlightening sort of conversation for us to to walk away from and say you know what I'm going to start doing this on the daily now that I've got the understanding mm-hmm. that it's so important for me and I'm sure your listeners can visit your website and um, you know mm-hmm. ha- take a look at those free resources they sound amazing I'm going to do yeah. that today for sure um, yeah. I'm sure I'll benefit from that and yeah. I'll share with my friends and and others I think it's very important Um, I guess, you know, in the context of this, um, we have talked a lot about uh, self-awareness, emotional uh, self-awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. emotional granularity and definitely well-being as well. And I think just to sum it up, I really appreciate, you know, uh, the honesty you bring, the insights, the research. It seems like you're really immersed in research, the research of others as well. Uh, So it's really good to hear from you. But we also want to know, you know, this is the next part of the podcast it's kind of fun we call it open mic because we know that a human is so much more than just their work you know we just talked about that you know you're a human (laughs) you have your emotions you have your um your your Care and your passion outside of this area, perhaps. So, um, with the open mic section, we normally invite our guests to talk about anything that they wish to share. It doesn't have to be related to the topic. Um, mm-hmm. It could it could be related to the topic if you like, um, because you know you probably live and breathe your work. But if you were to <laughs> you know have a couple of minutes to to talk about something that you've been really passionate about and you wish to share with as many people as possible, what would you talk about?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is something that I haven't been able to do throughout the pandemic, which is sing a cappella harmony with other people
0: Aww. in the same room
1: Aww. without masks on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you – early on in the pandemic, there was a church choir in Oregon that mm. they sang pretty far apart from each other, and they were being very careful, and they all got COVID. They just all did. And that's oh, when we learned no. that. The more intense or loud your speaking or your singing is, the more likely you are to. So that's been really difficult for me because singing harmony is one of the most um, one of the most transporting and joyful and and delightful things that I that I know in this world. And it, for me, it's a heavily a highly empathic. Um, experience because you have to really tune into the person. It's not just singing a note that's different from the other person's note. You have to read people and, and look at them and be with them very, very deeply. And I have a relationship like that with my husband, but he doesn't sing. So <laughs> I have not been able to sing harmony with people for what how is this year 10 of the pandemic I can't I, which one
0: <laughs> yeah okay, I, I've stopped counting yeah I think <laughs> I it's safe count. to say it feels like year 10 yeah
1: yeah I think it's year 10 so yeah. that's been really hard because that is like one of the central joys of my life is you know if I would hear singers on the street and I'd go right away. And I'm like, I'm your backup singer now. We're going to
0: sing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's that's a big thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. This sounds, you know, to one, at one point in our lives, it sounded mundane, but now it sounds like something that you miss so much, you know, it's like magic in your life. Right. So yeah, yeah, I hope you get to do that soon. You know, it sounds fun. I know. Yeah, it would, would be fun to be able to do that, especially without mask in the same room with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and before we let you go, this is the final part of the podcast where we have um, our audience submit some questions about the topic. And we have covered the topic, you know, in great details. But if we were to uh, get some questions from audience, I think this is actually Quite interesting, too, so we have um, just a couple of questions for you. I think this this one in particular I really like. Uh, the question is, how can someone identify when they're acting out of emotions and becoming irrational? as a million dollar question right there.
1: Um, we are always acting out of emotions. Uh, we can't not act emotions are the, are the, are the center of action and cognition. So we always are acting from emotions and the concept of rational as being separate from emotion is, Mm -hmm. um, it's a false dichotomy. (laughs) So if we don't have skills with our emotions, then it's going to look bad no matter what, but that's not the emotions fault. Right, If anger comes up to help you set a boundary and you got no skills and so you do it by screaming at someone, well, Mm -hmm. that's a boundary, but it's a terrible one. (laughs) right? Or you don't know how to use anger at all, so you don't set a boundary at all and now the person doesn't even know what's up or down. Mm. That's not anger's fault. That's the fault of our
0: very poor emotional awareness. Wow. That is very interesting. That's a really good point. I mean... We probably touched on it earlier, but it was not explicitly said like you just said so beautifully, you know, like it's not irrational if it is supposed to be like that, you know, it's supposed to be that we understand our emotions and we act accordingly and we just need to, you know, equip ourselves with the right vocabulary. And perhaps, you know, if if it's hard for some people to navigate emotions, maybe the right strategies to stop ourselves when things happen and um, you know, come up with you know calm way to deal with things rather than lashing out or you know doing things that you would regret. So that's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. and the 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 other question we have is uh, sometimes we can forget about ourselves when focused on the other challenges and responsibilities of life. Is there a Gosh. practice that can help me make a routine to check myself? This is a really good question. Yeah.
1: Something that I did, I I used to be so overwhelmed with the needs of others and also very, very, very busy that I would get up and I wouldn't even have my life for five minutes in the morning. If you know what I mean, you just get up and go to work. And Mm -hmm. What do people need? And I learned to just while I'm lying in bed to say, what two things do I want today? And then mm-hmm. do those two things if I possibly can. Um, it was a way to get back into my own self, and I had to do it in bed before I got up because as soon as my foot hit the ground, I was going right. I was like, "Yeah, what needs to be done? What do people need? What blah, blah blah blah." And so it's sort of like to put a little a um, time out and try to start each day, and so. After a while, I didn't have to ask myself what two things anymore. Maybe it took two weeks for me to get myself out of that, you know, Mm. cycle. Yeah. And then I was able to wake up in the morning and go, you know what I want to do? I didn't have to count two things. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do this and this and this for myself. So it was sort of like waking myself out of a trance.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good advice. And I think maybe you coupled it with, uh, I don't know, maybe journaling. You know, write mm-hmm. down what's been going on and checking it with yourselves, how you're feeling. And I think, you know what, related back to the topic, if you're feeling a bit sad, it could be because you're not doing the things that you're supposed to do for yourself, for example. So catching yeah. yourself feeling that way, you'll be able to say, like you said, okay, so what are two things that I want to do now, now that I know that, and, you know, yeah. kind of bring yourself back to yourself. And I yeah. find that, yeah, it's so important because we are all so busy nowadays, you know, just constantly on the go with things. It, it could get, you know, you could get easily uh, swept away in like, uh, you know, responsibilities or, you know, things that you need to prioritize. And sometimes you f- forget that the things you need to prioritize might not be the things that you actually want for yourself in the first place. Or, you know, you might forget to do certain things that would bring yourself back to, um, yeah. you know, where you are and who you should be. That's very, yeah very good tips. Thank you for sharing that. And those are all the questions we have for today. Um, I particularly have learned a lot of uh, tips and strategies from you and I've got definitely a couple of reminders right there for myself and my daily habits. So thank you so much, Kala, for sharing with us, for coming on the show today. Um, and yes, we are definitely speaking from the future and hopefully it has been fun for you as well to, to talk to the future <laughs> I've, I've definitely really enjoyed uh, in our conversation and, and the insights you've shared thank you so much thank you Lou. you've been listening to doing well the well-being science insights podcast produced by the well-being science labs a division of lmsl the life management science labs More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoy this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo, thanks for tuning in.